It's the fan pregame, the three-hour fan pregame. Uh, yes, we are not Kipper and Born. Almost <laughs> one day, uh, the fan pregame. Ailish and Justin, we're here for the next three hours from four till seven on our little holiday extravaganza. As you can see, if you're watching on Sportsnet 360 right now, we're all dolled up. <laughs> we got lots of uh, holiday cheer. Justin mm-hmm. tried his best. I outfitted his entire wardrobe yeah the closest i get to cheer is just wearing your old cwhl jersey it's, it's like i'm trying green. it's like moving through osmosis it's I don't good think so that works, Justin's but yeah it's festive enough right the one of one vintage limited edition game worn defunct cwhl markham thunder four far 11 jersey and you scored your only professional goal in this jersey correct that is the one this is very special it's been washed it looks good it's very green very green. And then uh, I got an old Christmas sweater on and this little, I you can probably hear it. Well, you can definitely hear it. <laughs> Sorry about that. And we got little Santa hats on our heads. There we, we go. We're good. ready to celebrate Christmas. Kipper and Born did yesterday. Now, yeah, now it's we're our celebrating turn. Christmas one day closer to, you know, That's it. the holiday season. We're going to jingle all the way through three hours of fun with four guests to come. So Savannah Hamilton will join us at 4.30 to help tee up the latest edition of the Raptors Bowl versus Nick Nurse uh, in Philly at 7 p.m. That'll be on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and Sportsnet 1. Um, a little later on in the show, it's going to be a family affair. Mr. Chris Cuthbert of NHL on Sportsnet and of fathering Justin Cuthbert will be joining us. He did that last year. It was very fun. Um, a fireplace chat with Ron McLean. We're calling it a fireplace chat because I just picture the three of us. If we could make this screen behind us a giant fireplace, we could have some like hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. That would be the discussion we're going to have with Ron. Regaling us with stories. It's going to be very I, I feel storyful. Like we both are very interested in like the Ron McLean Christmas experience. That's so right. we're going to try to get into that as much as try. we can. Uh, talk some hockey hamlets, some hockey night in Canada, and some holiday traditions with Ron McLean. And then to wrap it up, for those of you that know us from the former fan morning show, our beloved guest, Charles Davis, is going to join us. Ah, NFL Christmas Eve and Christmas Day slate, and we'll go through all of the games. And I'm hoping, hoping and praying, my holiday wish is that Charles Davis is calling Patriots Bills on New Year's Eve, which I will be in attendance of, because yeah. if he is there, it will be time finally shake his hand yeah that's the first order that's of business clearly when we get cd on uh, <laughs> of course uh you know famously you jumped through a table last year went when you were uh down in buffalo uh mm-hmm. doing your, is it one trip a year i'm not really sure but you yeah you're making it uh, Wait, back to back money trips here. to buffalo uh but yeah he said you know he was a little disappointed he said you know be regal stay regal he was uh, upset with me and uh we'll see if there's any update uh if he's you know changed his mind about that thing whether you'll tempt fate again and jump through a table <laughs> we'll get through all that with cd Oh, it's going to be a fun day ahead. Um, As we said, we'll be on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 590, the fan, the entire three hours, and then on Sportsnet Maine from 5 to 7. So get ready to hear and see us lots over the next stretch. We used to do three-hour shows when we were on the morning show, and (laughs) we've been doing one-hour shows. That's the thing about One, one and a half, and now it feels like, what are we getting ourselves into? Yeah, but that, that stamina is like a thing. Like, you lose your endurance, right? Like, this is a big test for us, I think. Three hours I'm already was, was easy at one point. Uh, but now we might not be ready uh, for the three-hour show. So we'll we'll see how our uh, vitals are at the end of three hours. <laughs> we might need producer Mike to go get us, like, a little hot chocolate or, like, a mocha halfway through the show. Maybe for our fireside chat. 
fireplace chat with Ron McClain. Okay. And, and I should say we're load managing just a little bit because Mike's going to come on and join us uh, at, mm-hmm. at 5 p.m., I believe yes. it is. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take a little bit of a breather, although we'll be involved, obviously. So at 5 o'clock, we're doing a bit of a year in review with producer Mike and Judge Holly is what we're calling him. Um, Holly Jolly Christmas to come at five. So we're going to lead our show today uh, with something that I I know a lot of people do reflections around the holiday season. We're going to do that a bit more at five o'clock, but at four o'clock right now, we're going to talk about what's on our holiday wish list, whether that's very specific team wise, more generally wise, Toronto sports wise, as we are here in the city. Um, It was a good idea. Um, I think there's lots of things I'd like to open this holiday season, but I'll let you go first because this was Justin's, contribution to yeah. today's show that's the one thing i did thanks for yes. <laughs> thanks for letting everyone know uh yeah holiday headlines what would make our holiday seasons and you mentioned it yeah it's kind of a toronto sports thing uh we got the maple leafs we got the blue jays the raptors what would make our holiday season if these headlines did come across the wire did come across the ticker and as you mentioned we got a miscellaneous one there so a couple wild cards uh i think we should start with the leafs though mm. so what is the headline alish that if it was, uh, you know, you saw it come down the wire uh, on Twitter, whatever, that would make your holiday special regarding the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay, recency bias in this one. And um, last night we were calling, we were, well, not calling, we were on intermissions and pregame for Maple Leafs and Buffalo Sabres. So my headline would be something around the sorts of Maple Leafs acquiring ex goaltender. Uh, in response, you're, you're dipping your toe in just which goaltender. Give me the UC headline. Saros. How about that? Maple Leafs acquire UC Saros from the National. I Predators, know that okay? he'll be expensive, and I know that he will be probably hard to attain. But I'm shooting for the stars. There's a lot of tentativeness point. for something that's supposed to make your holiday. Well, it special. would make my holiday special. I just want people to know. I don't think it's going to happen right away. But you sometimes around the holidays you dream for things like you put on the top of your wish list something that maybe gets passed over, but. I mean, let's just, in all realism here, like last night we watched Ilya Samsonov. It's it's tough, you know, after the game, even going out facing the media, which I was surprised that he even did. Um, you can tell he's struggling. He's really, really in, in too deep, it feels like. Uh, last night, obviously getting pulled. Martin Jones was in relief. Also wasn't the most, um, I wasn't inspired the most confidence watching those two go. We know that Joseph Wall is out for at least another month. So, there's a little bit of a question mark, to say it lightly, um, in terms of what is going to happen with the Maple Leafs goaltending. I know a lot of people are starting to use Hockey DB to look up Hildeby's stats, and he is doing exceptionally well in the AHL, one of the best goaltenders in the AHL. But I think with the limited amount of experience he's had playing professional hockey, it might be a lot to ask for Dennis Hill to be to be the savior for the Maple Leafs with Joseph Wall. So if there is a veteran, if there is an experienced goaltender and you say Saros is not a on expiring deal, so you could lock him in for maybe another year, why not shoot for the stars? Get someone that is really, really, really good. I, I don't want to nitpick your dream. I don't want to nitpick and tell you what would make you happy or not uh, during the holiday season, but it, it's kind of a commentary on Joseph Wall, isn't it? Like, do you don't feel confident? I know he's not available mm-hmm. right now, but you don't feel confident in him on the latter half of this season, next season, using that $700,000 salary mm-hmm. to your best use. You think they need a goaltender. I feel as confident... Though- as I can with a young, somewhat inexperienced goaltender so, so in there, net so who, has, who has had an injury concern mm. 
and we don't know exactly when he'll be back, maybe another month. And so, yeah, I'm going to shoot for the stars on the top of my wish list. And that's that's my... And Samsonov will go the other way, like. and all the salary will work pretty that's right. closely, and you'll be fine. Okay. Perfect. I think that's a good dream. Okay, my mine is... The holiday would that that would well, be. Well, this is what mine was, and you stole it, so I'd like to preface that. Uh, you're, stand by yours. Yours is great. Uh, I like your, I'd rather have what yours is going to be. Okay, William Nylander signs a maximum term extension with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Done. Uh, Sign me up. It would be the best thing uh, for the holidays, I think. Maybe more realistic because, yeah, uh, William Nylander has to sign a contract soon. But I would just love, for my own selfish reasons, to start talking about what the team will look like with Nylander and with that number carved in stone moving forward so it's not the, you know, will they or won't they or what does William Nylander want or what can you take away from him but keep him happy enough. I just would like that conversation to end. I'd like him to be pen on paper for eight more years so you can start thinking about what the team will look like for the remainder of this season, I guess uh, less applicably. But next season, the season beyond that, when the salary cap goes up, dreaming of what the cap percentage might be six, seven years down the line when he's still an elite player and uh, the salary cap has gone to triple figures plus. Like, that's the stuff I want to talk about, not about what the agent might be mm-hmm. saying or what William Nylander might want How or much what they might have cost? to get in return. It doesn't even matter. Like, I, obviously. I'm not asking under the tree. Indefinable I'm not. It's not in fine print that it has to be uh, a serious pay cut mm-hmm. or a serious haircut. It's just eight years. And let's talk about what the team's going to look like with him on it. That's what I would like. During the holiday season. I would season. gladly trade my gift for yours. If we were doing, is it White Elephant or? Um, oh, you steal my gift? I would steal your gift. Chris Kringle or whatever yeah, yeah. it is. You I know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. I'd rather, rather have yours. I'd like both. Okay. Well, dream. Dream big. Dream on. Okay. So the Blue Jays next. Um, I have a couple. Blue Jays nation right now, fandom is kind of in a tough spot. All of these other signings are happening and we'll talk about Yamamoto a little later in the show. Uh, and Shohei, of course, because um, they seem to be tied to the hip. But there's lots going on in terms of other teams making headlines, other teams signing, other teams finding direction, and the Blue Jays have been very quiet. So maybe go out and sign a power bat. Sign somebody that, yes, it's never going to be Shohei Otani, but do something quite soon to get this fan base turning in the right direction. Could you be also using maybe some of this money that I know was Shohei money, but there is money, to lock in either Bo or Vladdy to some sort of longer-term deal. You're talking about wanting to see what this team looks like in the future for the Maple Leafs. I'd love to be able to talk about what this team will look like in the future for the Blue Jays. They have most of their rotation looking pretty strong and locked in, so why not have a superstar, maybe Bo Bichette, that you know you're going to build your team around for the future. So a headline that includes any of those things would make me really happy. Okay, yeah, mine's a little bit different, but still with the urgency that something's got to happen for the Blue Jays. But I think during the entire Otani sweepstakes and the excitement and disappointment and everything that went into chasing Mm -hmm. the biggest free agent in North American sports history, uh, if we want to call it that, at least by contract, uh, you can't argue that. Uh, I think we lost sight of the fact that the Blue Jays are a pretty good baseball team. Like they have a lot of good things going for them. They have an elite pitching staff both in terms of their starters, Mm -hmm. and the bullpen got there, and maybe I'm not as convinced about what they'll look like next season, but they still have the makings of a dominant pitching staff from your ace to the last guy in your bullpen. They also have two stars. I'm falling short of saying superstar because maybe Vlad didn't get to what we thought he would be. Maybe Bo is a little bit too inconsistent or at least uh, hasn't been able to give the full season, uh, at least in a few years here. Um, 
maybe they're not reaching the heights we expected, but there's still a lot of talent there. It needs to be supplemented 100%. Last year, they were definitely without one significant piece, which is a cleanup hitter, someone who could actually support those guys. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you could shoot for the moon and go for the next best. Cody Bellinger's added to the lineup, and sure, that would be probably a thing that helps this team be better than it was last year. But I do think they kind of need multiple pieces. I think they need to kind of go for the short term and just not jump into anything headfirst and just not nibble, but give the guys who are kind of in the middle, the J.D. Martinez, the Reese uh, uh, Reese Hoskins, uh, maybe uh, maybe you go back to Matt Chapman, whatever it may be, the guys that maybe fall short of the Bellinger, can you own that group? Can you own that group of free agents and just add quantity over the immense quality that would be Shohei Otani? Because I do think still that they're just a couple bats away from being a good team. Maybe not the best team, maybe not a World Series team, but with that pitching staff, with some framework in place of a solid offense, if you add a couple competent bats to it, I think we could be excited all summer about this Blue Jays team. I have two bonus headlines on my holiday headlines. Okay. Ailish Forfar, the face of Schneider's Looney Dogs for 2024. Okay. That's a bit self-serving, but I, I'm backing it. <laughs> it's my wish list. <laughs> it is your holiday. And secondly, the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be one of the three teams to do their City Connect jerseys this year. One of the last teams to get the, the special fun jerseys. Make them good. Make them awesome. Like, I think the Raptors have too many jerseys at this point that I've, mm-hmm. I've just lost interest in new different types of jerseys of Leafs have yet to come out with one really that just sells is different. The Blue Jays have an opportunity to do something with like the skyline, with the colors, with skyline. Wouldn't that be sick? Like the city connect jerseys in MLB is are, are awesome. So I miss this. They're one of a few teams that doesn't have that offering. Yeah. This is their year. I don't the know Phillies, the Cardinals and the Jays are this okay, year. So the Blue Jays are getting new jerseys this year. Yeah. Cool. So make them good. Okay. Give me a skyline. That's what I want. Not an OVO colorway no, no, with a chevron gotta, no more of those we gotta retire that yes skyline though okay. skyline i'm in for skyline okay okay That's raptors fair. uh this is it this is going to be on a lot of people's wish list i'll tell you that um the raptors to trade somebody maybe possibly definitely pascal siakam we've had way too many conversations i'm not even going to put in like a trade you know the trade machine i don't even want to do it i just want a direction to be chosen i want this asset that has been dangled in the media and for now two seasons to be given an opportunity to play elsewhere like I actually even think for Pascal just like go play for the Warriors go do something let us have a restart let us have a real direction a shift a mentality that is like we might have gone too far in one direction we might have believed too much we might have used that first round draft pick we might just need to stop and reevaluate and that is selling parts. And that, that's what I need. Yeah, my headline is, is very similar. Uh, Masai Ujiri finally cleans house, uh, begins mm-hmm. second stage of proving his executive worth. And I think there are two parts to this. Uh, yeah, I mean, clear, clearly the Raptors are at some sort of inflection point where something needs to happen. But I think Masai Ujiri's legacy is for the first time being slightly questioned. And it's too simplistic to do the revisionist like, oh, what would happen if Kyle, if he got the Kyle Lowry trade that he actually wanted? I think he's still now because this has been so disorganized of late and has been so uninspiring of late that it's affected the way we think about him. 
And it's affected the way we think maybe even about the championship run. Like, is this the most successful term in managerial history in Toronto sports? I think some people would argue yes. But I think the more accurate thing is, was it the most successful trade that he executed in Toronto sports history, getting Kawhi Leonard and changing the fortunes of the franchise, making them a world champion in the drop, uh, with the drop of a hat? And everything else other than that has been average, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, yes, he built, there were more parts than just Kawhi Leonard. He built a championship team, but without Kawhi Leonard, without that trade, everything else isn't even close to that level. So I think there's multiple ways that the best executives in sports prove that they are of that level. And there are different life cycles for executives of all sports. And part of it is, can you start from scratch? Can you do it again? Can you do it more than, in more than just one way? And right now, Masai Ujiri's only way was taking the semblance of a decent roster that was, you know, not there. Like there was obviously some chaos when he took over. But there were some pieces, and he built it into something, and he executed the most important trade, again, in the city's history. But the next way to show that you are who we say you have been for so long is to tear it down, start over, and build something again. And I think if Masai Ujiri wants to tackle that, he's got the opportunity to enhance his legacy. But if he just holds on to what we have here, and this just fizzles and fizzles and fizzles... Mm -hmm. And they ruin the chance to trade Siakam. They spoil the chance to trade OG Ananobi. They just don't amount to anything in the Scotty Barnes era because they can't choose a lane. Then we're going to feel differently about all of this. So I think he has the opportunity to prove his executive worth a second time. He's done it once in Toronto. And if he finally cleans house, if he wants it, he'll have the opportunity to do it again. We're going to speak uh, with Savannah Hamilton in about 10 minutes. She's in Philly for the Raptors and Sixers game. We'll have that on Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet 590 The Fan at 7 o'clock. One more bonus for my Raptors-related discussion. Pistons beat the Brooklyn Nets, ending terrible slump. Sure. The reason I want that and that very soon on the 26th of December is because we are getting eerily and creepily close to the Pistons having the opportunity to either break this streak or not against the Toronto Raptors. And so we know how that one will go. Like there's just no doubt about it, that if it ends up being Pistons and Raptors to either break the streak or continue, they will probably beat the Raptors. So avoiding the headline then that the Pistons avoid the most yes. humiliating loss, maybe in the sports history. It would probably be. Against the Toronto Raptors. I need that. So maybe don't trade all the pieces before that? No, it's next week. It's in it's in four days. I guess. Well, that I mean, game against the Nets. So trades afterwards. Happen, right? Okay. Uh, you have some miscellaneous ones. Sure. Uh, I think one of them uh, is Toronto and Ontario adjacent, and that's regarding the Buffalo Bills, who have been on this resurgence of late. Uh, I think it would be great for this city, even though a lot of NFL fans in the city are not fans of the Buffalo Bills. But Mm -hmm. I think people would get excited, uh, especially around the QEW, if the Bills punched their ticket to the Super Bowl. I would be a little bit uh, excited about this as well. For for some self-serving reasons, because I got some money (laughs) on the Buffalo Bills going to the Super Bowl. But I, this has been kind of a... This hasn't been the greatest NFL season, right? It's been kind of... Every, every quarterback gets injured. <laughs> a lot of quarterbacks injured, a lot of mediocre play. There might just be one truly great team in the San Francisco 49ers. There might be a lot of just like 
average teams that would be playoff caliber, but not all that great uh, at the top of the uh, the division standings and conference standings right now. But if the Bills go on a run, I think it would salvage this season for a lot of people in Ontario, in Toronto, in Canada. So the Bills punching their ticket to the Super Bowl would be a worthy headline for the holidays for me. You know, I've got that one on my list too. I but figured you might. Not even, punching. For you too. not even punching, just winning. Winning the Super Bowl. Let's do it. Uh, I also have PWHL inaugural season, a smashing success, which I don't doubt it will be. Uh, but the first week, at least with all the home openers and the season beginning on January 1st, I'm really excited. I mean, we're going to have more opportunity to talk when we come back for the new year about the start of this journey. I mean, I you're wearing my old CWHL jersey. I've been a part of this journey off the ice, really. I mean, I got one year of pro under my belt and then the league folded and then the PWH. PWHPA was created and I know all the hard work that my teammates uh, have done on and off the ice and so now there's something really special right on the cusp of it. It's going to be the beginning of hopefully a very, very, very long women's professional league uh, where they're just going to continue to grow and there's going to be more teams, there's going to be more fandom, there's going to be more money and salaries are going to improve and so all of that really starts on January 1st so I'm looking forward to seeing how that season goes and being able to like share that with everyone because I've I get messages all the time from individuals that either live in Toronto or they live in one of these new markets or in a market that hasn't yet announced the women's team and they're so excited to be able to take their kids to take themselves to take their friends to watch women's professional hockey um, in their city. So I'm really excited to see this starting. And it's only a couple days away. Uh, January 1st will be the first game in New York in Toronto. I I thought you'd go hyper-specific and it'd be, you know, Poulin scores in overtime. (laughs) You know, I had that written. PWHL Montreal. I didn't know if you saw that, but I had it written and I backspaced it because I didn't want to get, but yeah. What I had was Montreal beats Toronto on OT. Oh, beats Toronto. I mean, that that's more specific than because I'm I kind of going heel here because you are. You're I going obviously heel live with your in Toronto and a lot of my friends are on the Toronto team. But my and you have seasons for Toronto. Let's, yeah, let's be that's honest. Okay. You are supporting both well, teams. Well, I live in the city. I'm not gonna buy seasons for Ottawa. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but that's fair. my two besties are on Montreal, and so I have to be loyal. And it would be pretty cool to see them win. Now, I, I know there's a lot of unknowns, but do we know what playoffs look like? Do we know what the championship looks no, like? No, I, I don't personally know. You don't personally I know? I know that there is like a whole, there's a playoff and there's a final. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the name of the trophy is. That's what I really want to know. What are they hoisting? What does it look like? Got to be form? hoisting something. The Cuthbert Cup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they'll play really hard for that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. No, I don't know. I think there's some things to figure out as we know. No, I don't have team names yet. How much, or... how much do you think we as the fan pregame would have to pay to sponsor? God, lots of money. Sponsor the championship trophy. It would be sweet like one day to just like drop the puck. We could sell this for Wouldn't that be cool? What if we did there? our show from one of the games and we got to like do puck drop? That would be pretty cool. I can see you dropping the puck at a game here. Why not? You know what I would actually say is like every time I go, I'm a centerman, so I go take a face off. I'm always like, I wonder if it's a hard skill to learn how to drop it because i feel like and no offense to the refs out there very f- wide range of skill sets of dropping the puck i think you should probably get a hang of it pretty quickly you think? Like, i don't think it's the most complex motor skill well i'm not sure out there if that lesson was maybe missed <laughs> by some i mean my, my my women's beer league we you know we basically just toss it on there it should not go up first. it, it should goes go straight up down. it goes up and then it bounces three or four times mm. And, uh, yeah, you just have to just yeah, we tie up the We might have to do some analysis on the refs there. We need to, uh, to speak to a referee about the proper wrist flicking technique to get that puck flicked.
flat on the ice because I know the PWHL will have the best yeah, of the best. Yeah, I was just going to say, only the best there for the PWHL, at least in terms of puck dropping ability. Do you think you could, you could like, if you got inserted into a game, you think you could ref a good game right now? <sighs> I no, think it's harder no, than no. it looks. No, I couldn't. No. No. You don't have the cardio. That probably You'd be, be just blue line too. to blue line. I'd be like the refs hoping or the, that are on my beer league games where it's like, yeah, we could kind of see the blue line from <laughs> the opposite blue line that we were trailing. Oh, that right. was offside. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, all right, so that was our holiday headlines. That was very fun. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we'll have Savannah Hamilton joining us uh, from the road. She's in Philly for Raptors Sixers. Um, as we said, we got a three-hour show. We only got half hour done. We're cruising, crushing this. Salmon is holding up. Oh, yeah. We'll see you after the break. <laughs> Might need another coffee. All right. That's uh, next on the fan pregame. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back on the fan pregame. Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ailish and Justin. Savannah Hamilton's going to join us shortly from Philly. Uh, Raptors playing against Nick Nurse and John Bede, uh, who yeah. is absolutely yeah. on a tear. Like, he is just in another world right now. He is. And it's. I think it's probably scary for some Raptor fans. Like, I don't know how you feel about this, but, like, are you okay with Nick Nurse going to Philly and ha- suddenly having the MVP and space to add because they yeah. traded James Harden and Tyrese Maxey might be the most improved player in the league. All, all of a sudden, it seems like, yeah, Nick Nurse could have an immense amount of success there. Yeah, it's maybe hurts a little bit more considering, like, the direction that the Raptors seem to be going, right? So it's hard to not compare. Like, Nick Nurse tonight against Darko. You're looking at where the teams are, which direction they're going. Embiid being on another level. Like, it, it kind of is like a little dagger. Uh, Savannah Hamilton joins us, Raptor sideline reporter for us. Whoa, hell, look at you. This is fun. How's it going? Thank you. I mean, not as fun as you guys. I missed the Christmas memo, <laughs> but I'm good. How are you? We're good. Uh, yeah, we're having a little holiday extravaganza today, as you can see, uh, being all mm-hmm. festive. But um, I don't yeah. know if the vibe's the we're same. We're being festive. You know, we're being the same. Uh, I mean, we're being festive. But I don't know if the vibe's the same for the Raptors. Like, you're around them all the time. You talk to the guys. You you know the pulse of the fan base. Like, how how's the mood? How's the energy and the morale around this team right now? Um, it's actually, all things considered, on the more positive side of things, I don't think that the Raptors are letting, you know, the losses that they're having this season really impact the the mood of the locker room it's not to the same extent as you know one might even say like as it was last year i think there's still a lot of learning that they're doing with this new system with the new with the new coaches and everything and so i don't think that there it's as um it's not it's not it's not actually that bad it's not as bad as what people might think it is it's, it's actually still on the positive side i'd say so yeah positive within the group positive within the team uh it doesn't feel all that positive on the outside looking in i suppose so should that be a message for fans? Should fans be reminded this festive holiday season that, like, yeah, like, this is going to be a process here. And I understand there's frustration of being a bit stagnant. But if there's still the vibe there with the team, if th- things are okay within the team, should fans feel a little bit differently about how they feel towards towards this team? I mean, are you a real one or not? That's what my challenge is. If you're a real fan, you got to go through the highs and lows of sports, and that's what it is, especially if you're a fan in Toronto. We all know that. Um, I would say that, you know, it's kind of what Giannis even said in the playoffs when he got knocked out, like, too early. Like, you got to – almost you got to let failure 
be a launching pad for the success and the growth and everything that comes with it. And so I think it would be unfair to put a certain expectation on this team, you know, to like say like, you know, they're going to go all the way to a chip right now. Like, I don't know if that's like the, quite the motivation. So if you're a fan of you are a fan of the Raptors that you should know that, you know, the team is figuring things out right now. You're not always going to be a championship team every single season. Otherwise, you'd win a championship every single season. And that's just not the case in any team and any franchise that have ever existed. So the fans should definitely still keep up the energy. And I know it can be frustrating, but that's sports. Like, that's what it is. Yeah, and I think that's a good perspective. Like, I mean, I, I think that we can both agree that there are some positives happening with this Raptors team, and maybe the biggest one is what Scotty Barnes has been doing. And I wonder if you think we're, like, almost underappreciating that, if we've really taken a moment to show how incredible a season this young star is having, even, like, c- compared against the entire NBA. Like, it is really special what we're seeing. Sometimes you can get bogged down in the negative. So what have you seen with Scotty? How incredible has this year been for him and the steps that he's taken? Oh, like when it comes to Scotty Barnes, I think that we're witnessing the formation of a player that's going to be really, really special, like across the NBA. And I think that's already, we're seeing the building blocks of that still happening. Like we, he already got his rookie of the year, so we knew he was something special back then. But the question is, how much star power will he have in this league? And I think we're seeing it. We're seeing that um, he could be that offensive guy when he wants to turn it on any, at any point in, in time. And he could play some solid defense on the team side, both on the help side rotation as well as on ball. So he has all the ingredients that makes basically a superstar player. His numbers for this stage of his career is comparable to um, like the Jason Tatum and the Luka Doncic, like when they were in this type of year as well. So I think it's a matter of like just like keep him marinating, keep him giving him op- keep giving him opportunities. Um, and see how far his growth goes. Now we got Mariah yeah, Carey Mariah from inside inside the arena. Is like we're real live? festive now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, I mean, uh, Raptors fans should definitely be embracing and enjoying uh, this Scotty Barnes season. This is a leap that kind of needed to happen for at least the clarity that this front office might need and the team will need uh, to take the next step. But it's not just Scotty. It's maybe predominantly Scotty, but there are other things going on with this team. So non-Scotty positive storyline, like what else is being built that you're seeing this season, Savannah, that's worth holding on to and being appreciative for? They're blasting the Christmas music now, and I can barely hear you. So if I don't mind, I, I can just move a little bit and get back to your question. Okay. Uh, well, we can fill for a bit. If, if, if you're able to, uh, we'll get back to Savannah Hamilton. They're just like blasting the Mariah Carey now? Did they think they heard us? You guys want to hear this? I'm going to go. But yeah, so I guess we'll get her in a second. Am I on? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, I think we lost you to Mariah for a second momentarily as well. Uh, yeah, and I'm interested to get her uh, opinion on that. The, 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 the other thing that's being grown or that's uh, having growth right now, mm-hmm. because yeah, Scotty Barnes is, if you want to look for the positive, you just look towards Scotty Barnes. But if you want that to be like diversified, if you want there to be a second thing to hold on to, what is that thing right now? Because yes, Yakum's having a fine season. OG Ananobi's doing what OG Ananobi does. But there's something else that's maybe more concrete, maybe more permanent. We'll have more permanence moving forward. We'll be built alongside Scotty Barnes as we move forward. Uh, that will be interesting. We go back to uh, the Nick Nurse conversation though, because mm-hmm. we talked a lot about Kyle Dubas last week, obviously. Kyle Dubas going to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I think there's like a little shade and Freud thing happening there where people are kind of enjoying the struggles of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't feel that 
with Nick Nurse. And Nick Nurse, like, it wasn't, it was kind of clumsy on the way out, right? It was Because it felt like it was time, right? It, it, it was, it definitely felt like it was time. But it was almost like it was, he was, he made that decision well, while he was, he was still coaching the team. advocating for maybe, what was it, when he was at that Sixers game? He when was he, talking about he was on the way out already, yeah. So I, so, I think and, maybe and, we knew the difference, because the Kyle Dubas situation was like, oh, he's staying, oh, he's not staying. He's making excuses that he wants to stay. Then it's this dramatic press concert. We've never seen anything of that sort, Maple Leafs, and with, in the city of Toronto. So it definitely feels different. Yeah, but I do think uh, a lot of Raptors fans will be faced with that, right? Because the Philadelphia 76ers are a good team. I mean, they could go to an NBA Finals. They could play in the Eastern Conference Finals easily. They could go to an NBA Finals. They might be able to win uh, a championship Mm -hmm. if they're able to add to this team. I mean, Joel Embiid is playing at the height of his game, and that's kind of generally when uh, teams uh, hit hit the most heights is after a a player like Joel Embiid hits his height. So Mm. it's like... The individual development happens where Joel Embiid goes to an MVP level, and then you have that success. We just saw it with Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets, where Jokic is the best player in basketball for a couple seasons, and then they figure out a way to win with that player on the other side of some MVP seasons. That could be happening right now with Joel Embiid. Uh, I think we got Savannah back. I don't know if the Mariah Carey... Uh, a song is, oh. is but no, we've we run to a press room. So it's a little bit uh, safer from the Christmas tunes, uh. I guess. Now, Savannah, thanks for jumping back on with us. I, I was asking you when Mariah interrupted us uh, about the best non-Scotty storyline when we look at the positives for this Raptors team, because you can look at Siak and be like, well, I don't know if there's a future there. You can look at OG and be like, I don't know if there's a trade uh, upcoming here. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking, looking towards the future, you're looking forward to who's going to be on this bus with scotty barnes in the future what other things have you seen emerge this year that is worth clinging on to if you're a raptors fan looking for those positives um i think ball movement would be the biggest uh area of growth for this team i know that was a struggle last season masai ujiri called out the team at the end of the season and even mid halfway through saying that this team was playing selfishly that's not the case per se anymore like they're top of the league or like the on the top half i know the top probably even the third i gotta see the stats exactly but um in, in terms of assists per game and that's been a huge positive it's been a huge plus because i think once all everything else comes together having that aspect and having that foundation of the fact that they're used to sharing the ball now like that comes as a uh a way to you know that comes out as a way to um you know let other players shine and it's hard to defend when the ball is moving so frequently like that. So one stat that we brought up uh, a couple of days ago when we were previewing one of the Raptors games was their starts and their starters. It has been uh, glaringly an issue with the Toronto Raptors. They haven't won a first quarter in this entire month of December. Um, seems like whether the starters aren't clicking or they're not showing up prepared to play. Like, how do you start to evaluate? I know you've played like why slow starts are, are continuing to be an issue with the Raptors is there a starting rotation that might need some tweaking? Is there a way to be prepared for the game that might be some tweaking? Like, because once in a while, these things can be blips, but this is starting to be a trend with the Raptors. Yeah, Ailish, like, that's the million-dollar question that literally everybody has been asking. I have been asking, um, you know, I was talking to Jakob Pertl today, even, and I say, like, how can you guys approach this game tonight? Um, 
with energy. And he says it's just a matter of preparation, but then also the fact that he doesn't feel like they they have any lack of effort, more so like in terms of like maybe a lack of confidence at times in decision-making. And because you're hesitating in that decision-making, now you're one step behind the play. And so that could translate and look like a lack of, lack of effort. But I think there's, you know, as fans in, of the game and as media that we cover, I think we see a lot of different things happening at the same time. And so it's a great question. And, you know, I, Darko said recently that he's open to changing the starting lineup. So it could be a matter of when, um, I think that's kind of like, you know, he said, he said that though, he's like, he's looking at other aspects because even the first, um, people who sub into the game, sometimes they're not also bringing the energy as well. So, so it's like, if you were to change the starters, then it's like, who are you starting in ahead of other people? And, you know, how's that going to fit, et cetera, et cetera. So with the new coach, uh, Savannah, uh, you're obviously giving some grace because this is a rookie head coach, but you're also seeing it all for the first time. And for that reason, you can you can nitpick certain things. Uh, you mentioned the ball movement. You mentioned positive change under Darko. Are, are there things that are, uh, is there anything that you can highlight that's been left to be desired where you can see the learning curve, the rookie lumps for a first year head coach? Is there anything uh, that stands out to you when it's when looking at Darko's performance and, and how a veteran would compare to someone who's taken their first strides on an NBA floor, at least in a head coaching capacity? Yeah, I think, you know, if anything, like you kind of learn as you go. And um, it seems like he's actually really like strong in terms of leadership and the players really take to him and he's very positive and he's bringing the energy for sure in every single <laughs> mm-hmm. um, game and locker room. And, you know, he always has a smile on his face. And honestly, I think that's contagious. And you guys asked me a question earlier about like, what's the energy levels like? And I think it actually kind of starts from him. And the reason why they haven't gotten so down is because he's always so positive and not just him, but there's Jemma Malalela who was uh, a Raptors coach, know what like five five years ago then Mm -hmm. went to golden state and then came back like he's also super positive so you know i don't see it much as like a learning curve because darko has been a head coach in serbia in like overseas for multiple multiple years and then he was a a top nba assistant coach for so long so i think he's just maybe like learning a bit more of player management in terms of rotations maybe because he did point that out on on himself uh i believe it was uh a a couple games ago uh, where he said i'm going to take this one um, and so, like anything, I think you kind of learn how to manage that and make decisions uh, and be very decisive as a head coach, especially when you're put in the hot seat. Um, but other than that, like I do see him as like, you know, he's a really strong leader and he got hired for a reason and he's professional. Or speak with Savannah Hamilton ahead of Raptors Sixers, 7 p.m. on Sportsnet to 590 The Fan and Sportsnet one um next six weeks are going to be an interesting one raptors will be in headlines raptors will be discussed as trade pieces trade candidates buyers sellers you know obviously a lot can happen in terms of winning and losing but if you had to put your money on this team looking similar in the next six weeks after the trade deadline do you think there'll be some different faces and maybe some faces missing that's a great question english with a great questions today um <laughs> I think everything's on the table. That's uh, I'll say that. Like, I don't think that there's any um, decisions that they're not considering at this point. It feels like, you know, I think there's like some open, there's flexibility. Masai Ujiri, he, he himself even came on a broadcast before and was like, told them that they're loyal to um, like Siakam and Barnes and OG and stuff like that. So, you know, you take it for surface value, you take it for what it is like, okay, like that's where if the GM and the president is, t- is telling you that, then you believe them. Um, but other than that, like, of course, you know, when the results aren't improving, you have to know that, you know, the, there's adjustments that have to be made. And if that's in the form of a trade, 
then everything's on the table potentially. So we'll see what happens. So Joel Embiid uh, is on another level uh, right now. He's playing uh, just tremendous basketball for the Philadelphia 76ers. He might be just one of one, like no one can do or has done what Joel Embiid is currently doing. Uh, It's going to be quite the task for the Toronto Raptors. So two-part question, I guess, like how do you even approach dealing with Joel Embiid tonight? And two, like how special is this? Like when you look at what he's doing, when you look at guys like Nikola Jokic and he does things that Joel can't do and vice versa, but... Are we seeing the MVP tonight on the floor for the 76ers? I mean, he's already an MVP, so the easy answer is Mm -hmm. obviously. Um, I think that this past month, it's not just being an MVP. He's making history. He's solidifying his his position now in the conversation of, okay, Hall of Fame, question mark? Probably. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I think that's where... That's what's happening right now. We're witnessing history. Um, he's putting up numbers that we haven't seen. And I'm not even exaggerating. I was doing the research this morning since Wilt Chamberlain. Like 40-plus points, 10-plus rebounds in the past three games. Wilt Chamberlain did it. Uh, his record was five games. And the last player to do it in three games like that was literally Wilt himself. So that's like this emphasizes how special of a player Joel Embiid is. And he's tough to guard like you have it's a full team effort and now they have Tyrese Maxey that only complements Joel's presence of course so um you know it just I think it, between the two of them they 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 highlight and impact each other's games and Maxey being a, a, a guard that is willing to pass the ball willing to facilitate and is super fast you know that's really hard to stop and that's only amplifying what Joel Embiid is doing on the court are, are these are these the nights, even though it can be tough sledding? Like it was like Jokic did what Jokic does for the most part uh, the other night, and, and Joel Embiid's going to get his tonight. But OG and Obi might be the first line of defense for both of them, and you know they're going to score and they're going to have some success. But just slowing them down a little bit is that like one of the? Is this when a lot of people key in on OG and Obi? Is this where the respect and the you know the admiration for what he can do, even if it's tough sledding, comes through with OGs? Like, is this the is this the time to appreciate what he can bring defensively, even when it's the most difficult of tasks? I mean, when don't you appreciate OG? To be quite honest, like mm-hmm. he's the best defender on the floor, usually on both sides, both teams on any given night um and he's proven that time and time again and he takes on the toughest matchups and you know i was talking to dennis schroeder about this a couple weeks ago even he just wanted to just give og his flowers because he's like not only does og take on the toughest matchups night in and night out he's also one of the top three-point shooters in the league right now and we're also seeing him add more to his game we're seeing him start to get really to the rim and start to have finishes and you know he's in the all-star campaign for the raptors right now for a reason like, I know, you know, people probably want to vote in Scotty and, and Pascal, but, you know, he deserves definitely to be in the conversation, but people don't often highlight defense enough, I personally find. Um, but that's exactly what he brings. He's he's a top defender in the league, um, and I think it's just invaluable what he brings to this team. Savannah, last one, because we'll let you go, and we got lots going on. Your day is just beginning. Um, so there's a, a game a couple of games from now, uh, the Detroit Pistons and the Toronto Raptors. Is that one, you know, looming at all, particularly in your interest, uh, knowing there's a streak coming, and if the if the team was entering that game without winning one in a long time, doesn't it just feel like a one that we should have circled on our calendar, hopefully not for the bad reasons? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like... Um... 
so I feel like I'm confident in the Raptors personally. Like I feel <laughs> yeah. like they can get the job done. Um, however, that being said, my only concern is the fact that it falls like pretty much right after Christmas. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much considered a trap game because you it's easy to take your foot off the gas for some games like that, right? In and around Christmas time. Um, but that being said, these are also pro athletes and I expect them to rise to the occasion and bring the energy and bring the effort and respect their opponents. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that they have a, a task ahead of them, no matter who it is every single night. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I don't expect the Pistons to, you know, lose, snap their streak on us to okay. that game. Okay. I don't like expect to hear. that. That's what I like to hear. I like it a lot. Uh, yeah, that game is on the 30th. So it's like after Christmas, but before New Year's. So there's a lot mentally going on there. But like, let's focus on tonight. It's a big task at hand. Of course, the Sixers, Nick Nurse's Sixers against the Toronto Raptors. Uh, we got the game on 590. And of course, Sports at 1 will see you soon. Savannah, we appreciate you taking the time. Happy holidays and happy New Year. And we will see you sometime down the road. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. Uh, Savannah Hamilton of Sportsnet, of course, our sideline reporter for the Toronto Raptors, Nick Nurse. And Joel Embiid, uh, yeah, I'm glad you've got big Joel Embiid bet reverse stock today, I'll tell you that. Uh, I think we had maybe a bet potentially added there uh, with the stats that we got from Savannah. We'll we'll dig into that a little <laughs> bit later. But yeah, this is like the NBA, there, there are a couple just absolute marquee attractions that do things that just seem absolutely impossible. And, and Joel Embiid is one of them. Like the way that he moves, the way he can score, the way he impacts everything that's going on on the floor and being that big is absolutely breathtaking every time you get a chance to watch it. I mean, Jokic is one thing, but it seems like MB's like the difficulty, the rate of difficulty, like what he has to do seems almost mm-hmm. more difficult in comparison to Jokic. Maybe Jokic just makes it look easier and that's the brilliance of Jokic, but it looks like Embiid's uh, just playing a game that no one else can play uh, when he's on and, He's going to be a task for the Raptors tonight. Yeah, uh, last game out against the Timberwolves. 51 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists. The game before that, 40 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists. The game before that, 42 points, 15 rebounds, 3 assists. Yeah, he's doing Wilt Chamberlain things. It reminded me of the tweet uh, that was like, oh, every time Shohei Otani did something, it wasn't seen since like Tungsteen Arm from 1901. <laughs> Tungsteen Arm was <laughs> yeah, the name that I don't you know. Just Yeah, Tungsteen Arm. Okay. Anyway, that's kind of what's going on with Joel Embiid. Um, we have a minute to quickly discuss some MLB news. The Dodgers don't signing. Don't sound so disappointed. <laughs> Dodgers also getting the second, I guess, second hottest name on the, the, the free agency trade Target acquisition, mm-hmm. Yamamoto, uh, 12-year deal, a record 12-year deal, $325 million contract. So between him and Shohei, they are paying over a billion dollars in two players. Eventually, they'll, yeah. pay, they'll pay a billion dollars. Not next yeah. year. I know, but like the deferred money yes, was Shohei. That's a lot of money. It is. Uh, <laughs> and-, and those are the two biggest names that we had been talking about this entire free agency offseason and they're both going to the Dodgers and people are saying that you know it's not it's good for baseball and they had two MVP candidates on their team last year between Mookie Betts mm-hmm. and Freddie Freeman uh, guys who have won MVPs uh before yeah it does feel like it's trending towards it the super being team unfair yeah and and I and I think super teams are good for sport I mean the Golden State Warriors amplified the profile of the NBA in a massive way like mm-hmm. I understand they were it was and was, you know, tremendous, humongous before that, of course. But the Warriors did something really positive for the NBA. I don't think the same will be said about the Dodgers, though. It's something about 
the way baseball's played, the schedule, how long it is. Maybe, maybe it's just the entertainment factor uh, comparing the NBA mm-hmm. versus a regular uh, baseball game. But I just feel like them loading up in the manner that they are, skirting the rules, it seems like, though it is within the rules in the way that they are, is kind of unsavory. Like, no one wanted to see Yamamoto land with the Dodgers, did no, they? Other than not. Dodgers fans? Like, even, would you rather have them gone to the Yankees? Maybe? Like, I, I, I don't think know. I it's, just, it's just like, it just feels like a bit of a letdown at this point now. Like, of course, Shohei was a letdown for us. But if everyone just goes there and no one can touch them, it just doesn't feel like it's going to be fun in the way that the Warriors were fun for basketball. Yeah, you want some level of, like, competition. You want some level of feeling like you're at a, I guess, level playing field, even in a sense. But, of course, they're the favorites to win the World Series. Of course, they're the favorites now to attract more free agents and spend more money because who wouldn't want to play on that roster? And execute trades like getting Tyler Glass now exactly. uh, from the race. Which just happened. And then we were talking, like... We, like, yeah, they were, yeah, okay, you brought Shohei Otani in. You have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. You're going to be a great offense. Shohei can't pitch yet, so, like, you're not getting the full experience yet. Boom. But then they go out and get Glasnow and Yamamoto, and it's like, okay, you are the perfect team, and this is now officially annoying. Yeah, I mean, we're, we sound like sore losers, and we kind of are. That's fair, too. Yeah, we can we can own being sore losers because we almost had Shohei. But we can he also was on bemoan, a play. No, he wasn't. We can also bemoan. Uh, these additions I agree. and how it might not be the best for me. We can do both. Despite, you know, what writers say. Okay, one hour in the books. Two more to go on the fan pregame. A little um, fatigued, not going to lie. No, you're good. On the other side of the break, we've got our year end review. Oh, year in review with Mike Gentili and Judge Hawley, followed by Mr. Chris Cuthbert joining us. Ron McLean at 6, Charles Davis at 6.30. Lots to come on the fan pregame with Ailish and Justin. You feeling good? Yeah, I think we're going to be all right. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll check be. in next hour, though. Yeah. Go rehydrate. We sound like we've never worked a day in our lives. But this is a different one for us, all right? Fan pregame.